Denise Urbans. And I'm Mike Urbans. And welcome to It's Your Water. I'm glad you found us. Today we're going to talk about cation resin, also known as water softening resin. And it's many different varieties. The genesis of this show was somebody who called in and said, I'll take some high capacity resin. So in my mind, it was a 10% cross-link resin. And we shipped it. And I found out it was not a high what the guy wanted. He actually wanted a fine mesh resin. So we thought this was a great start to start and answer all of these questions about what's high capacity, what's fine mesh. Identifying your cation. Yeah, ID the cation. ID the cation. So I'll start with the easy question, Mike. Can all cation resin be used for water softening? Yes and no, but there's two different forms. There's a sodium form that we use in the house. And then there's the hydrogen form, the hydrogen form that would be um, used industrially in deionized water. So uh, you wouldn't want to use that because if you use that, your pH coming out of the out of the bed would be two or one or two pH, Ouch. and that yeah. would be a big issue. So you want to look for the H. If there's this H uh, designation, you have the wrong resin for your home. Most of it is Na, the sodium form. So that's what you got to look for is a sodium form for residential or, you know, industrial use, but mm-hmm. only on water softening, not deionizing water. Can you give us a, just a real short, basic explanation of how the softening process works? Well, basically, your, uh, your cation resin in the sodium form is set up in the, the sodium form. So as the minerals, cations roll into your water softener through the softening valve, they contact the beads, which are in a sodium form. They have a positive attraction to the calcium magnesium, which adheres to it. And then they have a capacity like a gas tank. You only have 20 gallons, well, you have maybe 30,000. So you do the math and you figure out how much it's going to run. And it takes up a sodium bath. Now, the sodium bath is like this massive slug of sodium that comes through and drives the calcium manganese, calcium, uh, uh, iron, whatever, off the bead. It's a driving force, they call it. Off the bead into the waste stream, and then it utilizes the sodium, a portion of the sodium that you slugged it with, small portion, and sets it back up again for the next load of cations. So it's like Basically, you exhaust the gas tank and you refill it with sodium, but your sodium, you don't get much in your water. It's a big question. Like, oh, I can taste the sodium. If you taste brine in your water and the next day, you have a problem. There's a problem with your water softener not malfunctioning. It's only going to exchange sodium for what the total cation count coming in. So it's going to attract the calcium in? the magnesium and iron and other goodies. Other and, cations, yeah. And knock the sodium off of the off bead. the bead. Okay, and so the, the sodium, bad guys stick to the bead, the good guy sodium comes off of the bead. Yeah, and sodium doesn't uh, scale or create problems in the okay. plumbing system. Okay. And it's a very small amount, I mean. Yeah. You know, many low milligrams per liter, unless you have an insanely amount of hardness, which is, you know, like 30 grains, 25 grains, Mm -hmm. you know, then you could, you, you might want to consider reverse osmosis, but still it's a much better than the option of having 
no softening. Okay. <laughs> Your plumbing system would be destroyed. Okay. That's so how it works. That's how it works. Now, there's different types of softening resin. Can these different types be used interchangeably? So let's start with the basic cation resin that would go into your typical home, like a crosslink, a six or... Oh, okay. Yeah, there's different crosslinking on resins or qualities, say, in that for residential, it's you're, you're not taxing the resin like you would in industrial, turning it over high flow rates, really beating up the resin, where a residential is just light duty. So uh, manufacturers years ago said, how low can we go? And what I mean by that is there's how much polymer percentage they ingredients that, say, they put into their cation resin. Generally accepted, residential grade resin is 6% of your cross-linking. That's the, the in- internal structure and in the polymer that they, they add to give the building blocks to the little tiny beads that we're talking about. So figure is... Six percent is the lowest. Eight percent is generally accepted as the as the normal. You can use that residentially, commercially. Eight percent is a uh, really just a benchmark for. So six percent is probably good for wells. Well water, it's not going to be taxed with chlorine. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. And then there's ten percent, and then there's something above ten percent, but that's a specialized cation. So. For all intents and purposes, in this conversation and podcast, it's 6, 8, and 10. And what that means is how much structure and how much strength is in the bead. And why do you need that? Cycling, industrially, 8 and 10% because your, your bead swells, contracts, swells, contracts every time it goes through a regeneration. So that swelling and contraction will ultimately shatter the bead and it will die from fatigue uh, 15 years down the line, you know, people say, how long did it last? I've seen resin go 15, 20 years. So that is, if there are no chlorine. oxidizers. <laughs> if you hit these with chlorine, a 6%, it's going to be an early grave, maybe a year or two. I've seen in the Carolinas where they literally whack the chlorine in the city mains at three parts per million of chlorine, chloramine, that just fries this resin because it's a plastic polymer. And that polymer will be attacked and either turned complete mush. And how do you know this? Uh, you get a wicked pressure drop on the service. Mostly commercial, industrial, you see. You get a delta P, you know, of uh, 15% and uh, 15 PSI. You keep with that percent. I yeah. tell you, you got get me started with it, the Mike. percent. Yeah, uh, 15 PSI and uh, what happens is the resin literally turns to mush. Yes. You, you take a sample, you get in there with a resin thief, and uh, which is a pipe with your thumb over it, and you go down there and you pull it out, and it's like like sticky jam. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know you're screwed at that point. You got to rebed. Or it turns, your, the bed, you look at the bed, the resin, and you can shine a light through it. Or you say, wait a minute, I used to have 40 inches of depth, and now I only got 20. 20. It's because the beads shattered. Uh, the beads will also shatter, and they turn into powder, and the powder basically backwashes out, and you're losing, you're losing resin, losing resin, and finally you, the the customer says, "What the heck? Yeah, you know, I'm only getting a thousand gallons. I used to get eight thousand. 
it'll still soften, but it you, will still it, soften. Other yeah. other problems will come about. Yeah, the pressure, pressure drop, drop and or lack uh, your loss in capacity. So that's the cross linking. Six percent is kind of the El Cheapo resin out there. It's it's you know the bargain stuff. Don't use it on city Competitively priced, yeah. Michael. Uh, competitively okay. well, priced. You know. I, I Not know. El Cheapo. I know, I know, because we we do have a six percent. It's actually in, pretty know, darn. It's, good. it's pretty darn darn good. Yeah, yeah. but. You just got to want to use it for... More competitively priced. Yes, I'm sorry. Okay. So the 8% and then 10% is... We sell a good deal of 10%, but that usually goes into high chlorine. But you know what the bottom line is here, folks? If you got a lot of chlorine, protect your resin with... with Activated carbon. With a carbon (laughs) filter. Well, a lot of people can't do that, but but that's that's the bottom line. Protect your resin. Okay, another question. It's there's brunettes and blondes in the cation world, mm-hmm. and some redheads. Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah. amber. Yeah, we amber. call it brown sugar. Yeah, yeah, brown sugar. Right. Okay. There, we people have preferences, mm-hmm. and this is yeah. I'm wondering, should we have preferences? Should we really care if it's blonde or black or well, there was amber? A, or, a, I think a genius in marketing many years ago, the Cybron company uh, came out with a. Uh, a dark cation. Black uh, cat. Black cat. And it looks cool. Uh, it's uh, it's jet black. And basically, they cooked it longer than a regular resin. That's really- <laughs> That's at least what we think. Yeah, that's what everybody says. And it has absolutely zip, no bearing on the quality of the resin. It's such a back, way back when, when that was out, it was very controversial. Like, no way, because there's the blonde cation, which kind of looks washed out, but it's- Kind of like, like pretty, you know, sparkly gold, and, gold yeah. beads. And that it says, well, it's it's washed out. It's like a tea bag, you know, spent. You know, it's it's like no, it's just not. It's a different step in the process that creates black cation. Mm-hmm. But there's this general opinion that black cation is better than the blonde cation. And it may have come from the cross-linking. Uh, the Black Cat was a very high-quality made resin. It yeah, that stuff was very, good. It was good stuff. It poured. It was really yeah. high. Yeah, and I remember a lot of guys really, and nothing against girls here, but it was mostly guys back in the day. Uh, a lot of guys said that it would. they knew when to replace it. It, it wasn't black anymore. It would <laughs> fade in color. Fade and then they color. knew when to replace it. And and I'd never seen a sample, but was there any truth to that? I'm thinking, I don't know, you can reply back, but I think maybe as it's gotten bleached by this horrid chlorine, you should have a carbon filter before it, but Maybe the it sodium gets, you know, when you, throw, when you throw ice on the ground after mm. the snow, it's sort of white, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Mm. Okay. No. If anybody knows the answer to that yeah. or would like to chime in, but, please please let us yeah, know. Yeah, see if the, the different color variations. Now- why really, I think they really did do the color variations was for industrial deionized water. Remember, we started this with the hydrogen form. There are companies that would separate the resin, well, anion and cation, for deionized water. And they wanted to see the distinct anion, which was always blonde. And they wanted to see the separation of the anion and cation. So you could actually backwash it and the anion would sit dead on top and the cation would be on the bottom because it's heavier and you'd see a distinct line difference between and then you could decant 
the anion off and you would say, okay, all the anion's gone because the blonde is gone. So if you had a blonde cation, yeah, that would screw you up. But Until it gets I a think, little bit older. I think that's really where the black cat came from. Well, that that's really a great reason to have black cation, cation in your yeah. DI regeneration plant. In your plant. DI plant, yeah. yeah, yeah if, you can, if you're running a DI plant, if you could find black cation. Or a darker cation. Or a darker cation at the start. Because generally, though, I, I remember from when we had the plant, if we used blonde, the cation usually got darker and yeah, you, you could darker, see the yeah. line mm -hmm. anyway but definitely the black hat on yeah and you could you know if you had a, a more advanced regeneration yeah which, uh, you can yeah. blow yeah. the cat on we digress. off so we're not, we're not talking. yeah we're not going there okay so back to what i said originally about the high capacity resin let's go over that a little bit um let's start with a fine mesh resin why do you consider fine mesh high capacity it's kinetics it's uh it's literally and little did I know that fine mesh was actually kind of a waste product, and they charge us more. I don't, <laughs> well, I don't get it. What hopefully, it, they're so efficient I, they don't have a lot of waste. Yeah, you know, I don't choose my words right, but it's a, it, it's not really a waste product. But what happens is when they sulfonate, they get bead sized, and if they, they try to make uniform beads, they make. Uh, but all the beads in a, if you put it under a microscope, they're all little sizes. They're you know so much mesh to so much mesh, the the size they're and they vary. But you don't want fine beads because they are lighter and they will backwash out and they might clog your screen. So what they in do is in other words, they, you don't want my fine mesh, fine beads, beads in your in regular your, in your regular resin. resin. So somebody thought, like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do with all this fine resin that they literally screened out of the process? Uh -huh. And they said, well, let's remarket it as fine mesh resin, and which works great for residential flow rates. Do not approach anything over 15 gallons a minute. You're going to be done because it's so fine that it will pack. Okay. But the benefits of it are that if you have high iron um, and maybe some not really any color, you should not throw any color through your, uh, your resin bed. But what it does is allows you to cheat a little because you have better kinetics because there's more beads in a square foot or a square cubic foot cubic foot surface area because your beads are now compacted closer to each other. Okay. And they less voids, quicker, quicker ion exchange. It happens faster. Sure. So they call it higher capacity because it happens quick. And but there's the you have to cut your backwash down and you have to make sure uh, well, you don't backwash it out and you don't put it on high flow rates okay. because it will pack so tight that it'll, it'll dump your flow, your pressure drop. And, okay. uh, so that's, so that's, that's a fine, fine mesh. mesh. Mm -hmm. We're using it for, for uh, removing iron, iron. High iron. High iron. Yeah. Okay. Then we go. And lead. Some people are using it for lead too. There may be some particulate lead in there, but cation removes lead. Yes, it does. Different podcasts. Different podcasts. Now, in my confusion, in my mind, I thought 10% crosslink was high capacity. Let's go over that just a little bit. Well, it, it does have a slightly higher capacity because it's, uh, it has more polymer in it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but it's negligible. I mean, you know, you, it's, it's very small, maybe 1,000 or 2,000 grains more. But in the real world, the first time you regenerate it, everything comes back to On the 10%? Because, yeah, ten, no, well, at 10% will always have a little higher capacity. Right. But it's not like fine mesh higher, uh, uh -huh. and it's not a big benefit. The benefit you get is the stronger. It's a stronger, it's stronger. bead. 
It's just, you know, with the cross-linking in a polymer. So, so we would typically use a 10% cross-link when we're bumping into oxidants like chlorine and chloramine. Yeah, yeah, you still should use activated carbon before they're bad. But yeah, the, the yes, it's a, and a torturous regeneration cycle in that you're regenerating several times a day uh, industrially. So remember I said the bead swells, contracts, swells, contracts. So mm-hmm. a 10% has more, you know, uh, strength. Okay. So it's less the osmotic shock. It's less prone to that breakage. Generally, we don't see that in a, in a uh, residential application. No. no, it's very rare. No real need for it when you can get away with a 6% on a uh, residential well water or chlorine-free you know, mm-hmm. city water. And then uh, the 8% for the, the 8% city water. The 8% is for, you know, heavy-duty residential, city water, light commercial, commercial. It's 10% is kind of a specialty resin. Okay. I guess because I was so involved with industrial, mm-hmm. high-capacity is 10% for me. Uniform particle size. Yeah, uniform bead, that was, um, that was part of the screening process. Because resin being different meshes... Remember I said big ones, little ones, big ones, middle middle sized ones. You you get a kind of an ununiform bead. So if you can cut a resin bed in half and you can see all these voids. So there's more voids, the less efficient your bed. So again, Denise, commercial, industrially, they would use a uniform bead because each bead would snuggle into each other perfect. So they would leave less void space for slippage. Uniform bead was used mostly is in a critical commercial process. Right. So, okay. Or yeah. in uh, so, CI applications, uh, because again, you get a, a better yeah, separation. Better separation, better bead. I mean, uh, less voids, right. uh, quicker kinetics. But for all intents and purposes, softening is such a uh, simple process. It's not like we really have to amp it up to get a, to, unless you're on a critical process. Okay. What about shallow shell? That was a technique developed uh, years ago and then refined. And I think there's only one company that makes it. And Shallow Shell was, that was invented is that the resin bead, if you cut the resin bead in half, there's lots of nooks and crannies in it. Uh, tons of nooks and crannies. And what happens is those, not all those nooks and crannies are really used in a softening process. It's really the outside of the bead. So just think of it as kind of like wasted space. On the inside of the, the regular inside. cat what, what happens is that you get garbage left behind in the nooks and crannies. Over many, many, many thousands of gallons, you'll get these nooks and crannies can foul, especially with iron and manganese uh, when you're using that. And so they invented, they said, well, gee, really, all the business happens on the outside of the bead. What if we make a solid bead with a shallow ion exchange coating on the outside of the solid bead. And that would eliminate fouling. It would keep the kinetics better because you have an instantaneous, the, the brine, the, not really the brining becomes much more efficient because it doesn't have to go into like, picture a sponge. All your business is on the outside of your sponge, right? When you're sponging something, the inside of the sponge has really nothing to do outside of holding soap and and uh, cleaner in, in water. But really, the business is all on the outside of that sponge. So they invented a way to say, well, let's do it this way. So 
You don't have to wring your sponge out with all the crud. You're wringing your bead out. Think of it that way. So the, the business end is on the outside of the bead. So you get a cleaner regeneration, a quicker regeneration, and more efficient regeneration. Do you use less salt? Yes, you would. It's uh, it's negligible, but it's big when you do industrially. For homeowners, it's like, well, okay, yeah. It's, I mean, it's we're, we're we sell some yeah. in different areas where it must work very well does, because they well, use it for iron, iron and manganese removal. Okay, because uh, they may have had bead fouling in the past where the bead is not going to uh, just won't give it's up. Less the... prone. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's used residentially mm-hmm. on high iron. Uh, waters, high iron and manganese water. Costs about 30% more than yeah, everything else. That, yeah, yeah. yeah, But it's, it has its spot, though. Yeah. It's, it's, residentially it's, it's, and industrially. Like, everybody criticized me. It's another tool in the toolbox. Yeah, yeah. There, I said it. You got to get it in every time. Yeah. Okay. Back to water softening resin, cation mm-hmm. resin. What other contaminants does it remove other than hardness? Cation? Mm-hmm. Cation resin, oh, okay. softening well, resin. Any, anything, it's, it's uh, cationic. So what I've applied it for mostly other than that is iron and manganese. But you have to be careful that the iron is crystal clear, manganese is crystal clear when the sample is drawn or always crystal clear because it has to be in a dissolved ionic state, which tends to be a lower pH water that tends to dissolve the iron and manganese because if you start amping up too many positives on the iron as far as iron manganese is two charges, if you mm-hmm. go up to three, the valence, you actually make it not as attractive to the bead and okay. uh, it'll ricochet off. And that's what happens is, is you get bed fouling or only uh, 80% removal. Okay. You mentioned lead. Lead. Yep. Dissolved lead. That may be coming off of fitting. There's not much naturally occurring lead out in the, and it's usually a product of dissolving brass or a bad fixture somewhere in the well water or on the, on the city main. So you would use, I'd, I always recommend fine mesh because there could be some particulate lead in there and the fine mesh does a better job. But there's a weird fact about that, you know, and lead's only in parts per million, tiny, tiny little parts per million. But a cation resin lead is so ionically sticky that uh, cation resin will remove about nine pounds of it per cubic foot. Wow. So it's almost like infinity. I mean, when you're talking parts per million, yeah. millions of a gram versus pounds. So eventually uh, the bed will become fouled, which, which would be the next thing, aluminum. Okay. What fouls a bed? Aluminum gets to be too sticky and there's too much of it. Sometimes it's in a water's alum or a... Uh, as a polymer that they're pumping into the mm-hmm. city main, mm-hmm. and it will foul the bed out. So aluminum is not very good to go. Copper? In certain instances, yeah, copper will foul the bed out too. You'll get a green resin. I've seen that happen. Yeah, I've seen uh, that too. Yeah, it's bright green. <laughs> Just it's about like, gave me heart failure is, at the time. <laughs> whoa, what in the heck is going yeah. That was kind of like a plating, you know, industrial yeah. plating. So where they were hitting it with uh, overwhelming it. But Now, let's let's just... You talked about those contaminants. How often do you sell cation resin for anything other than iron and manganese? Oh, as far as us? Yeah. In all the years that you've been doing this, how often do you sell cation resin for? It's mostly commercial, industrial, and just uh, softening. No, I'm saying for percentage. No, yeah. Do we, we, 
we don't sell a lot of cation resin just to remove lead. You oh know, no, no, or no. just to remove copper, or to remove no, no, anything. It's just like specialty that. little tiny you know, sub conversations, but mostly it's all iron, manganese, and hardness. Right. Ninety. So, yeah, I mean iron and manganese because we're in the northeast here. That's where we talk from. Mm-hmm. Cation resin works incredibly well for iron and manganese removal. There was people like scientists in the past. I think it, would, it was voodoo. You can't do that, but. Around here works just fantastic, and a, a massive amount of iron too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll pull out, but it's just the nature of the chemistry of our water here. But mostly, it's used for calcium, magnesium hardness. I just wanted to clarify to our users that we don't commonly use a water softener or cation resin to remove those other contaminants. No. It just happens. It's a it byproduct. will remove. It will remove. It will it. remove, it. and that's By what happens way. too. It's another seat on the bus. That's why you should have uh, full a full analysis. water analysis. So because you get loading, and that could really affect your capacity. Okay, here's the other big question we get: How long will the softener resin last? In non-chlorinated water, well, six percent. It's hard to say, but probably eight to ten years, and I've seen eight percent go. 10 to 20 all day long, 15, 10. Most, I think that everything else starts to die. Your valve on top, your brine tank starts to crack and uh, everything kind of dies before the resin bead. But what happens is it eventually fouls after that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And these are people that are maybe just two people in the house and they're not really hammering that resin the more you regenerate it the more you're pretty much killing it uh because of the osmotic swelling of the bead swells contracts and eventually fatigues and breaks okay how about in iron applications iron applications you should probably always consider an acid drip in there uh and a, a resin cleaner like what is it phosphoric acid a weak phosphoric acid or the sodium bisulfite that's uh out there mm-hmm. um they, do they use citric no nah, i mean citric acid why a lot of these things are acid-based because you want to put things back into solution. Uh, you want to dissolve the iron. That's kind of in. Remember the nooks and crannies I was telling you about? Yeah. Yeah. You want to get in there and let it sit and let it dissolve and like you're like putting a nail and acid, you know, piece of okay. steel. You want to literally dissolve those cations and minerals, but mostly metallic cations Mm -hmm. out of the bead and then they flush out but if you have a lot of iron and manganese always consider a a phosphoric acid drip that's the res up res care uh you know the the blue uh blue juice products and they they have a perpetual drip that keeps everything squeaky clean so just to sum up a little bit here on the precaution side always make sure you have sodium formed cation resin Mm -hmm. keep it indoors you don't want to Freeze no, it. freezing, yeah. Pre- oh, yeah freeze, it another, yeah. freeze it and thaw it. Yeah, freeze thaw, freeze thaw is what kills. It breaks the beads. Okay. It People in the once. north, keep the pallets inside. Keep it warm. Keep it warm. And then you have to watch for excessive chlorine. Yeah, too much chlorine. You know, anything over, Premature say, half death. a part per million is going to be. Okay. And, and here's the big one, Michael. Yeah. Exactly how does softener resin differ from the scale removal medias? Whoa. Whoa. Do you want to get in? I thought we were going to do a whole other podcast on that. We are, but, but I just but wanted, I see. Softening you resin should have read is, your notes. I had it right out yeah, there. Softening resin is uh, softening. It's chemical process that happens. It's with science. Basically, you're coming in 
you have a polymer bead that's charged in a sodium form, and you can actually measure. And you're going to remove those you, calcium and magnesium removed. hardness. Yeah, they are removed out of the water stream. Okay. And flushed away. So it is an absolute process of removal of Verifiable cations. process. And it, you can go into a lab and you have a test and you say, okay, this is in, out, done. You okay. know. And because you're removing the hardness minerals, you have no scale. You have absolutely no scale. Okay. I now, mean, unless it's anionic scale. But well, we won't go there. So with the other treatment types, uh, say like ones that restructure the ionic charge, it basically, there's some salt-free softening mm-hmm. uh, we're talking about. You're not really salt-free softening. You're more or less, they call it a descaler because those processes don't remove the minerals. They only neutralize their charge. So they're less prone to adhere to other metallic parts of a water heater, a boiler exchange, faucets, wherever, hardness, scale. It kind of neutralizes and neuters the little guy. <laughs> and, um, and then it sends them on their merry way. However, they will, if there was a puddle or something, you know, hardness would, you'd, be there as say a powder form but it doesn't have the teeth uh, apparently what you know there's many claims many i'm not endorsing any product but that will it won't stick or adhere to uh the surface it would be just a minor wipe and it's clean so So it's it's water softening is different from scale prevention yes and that you know water softening is something that you can absolutely positively measure uh, that it and is working with third I think party wqa uh, wqrf is working on measuring the other the other products having as well. a way of of, of measuring validate, validate it yeah yeah their technology right because there's no test process out there well they're working on it yeah that current test process right. that They're as of this, of this podcast. Um, we don't know if it's finished as of yeah, this podcast. Yeah, so that will validate uh, alternative softening technologies. Right. So it's really a matter of semantics. It's You can't have salt-free softening because you need the salt. Yeah, there's no, it's, exchange, just, it's just valid but science. But you can have a, a scale removal device water conditioner scale well, it's not removal, really removal. It's, it's scale it's uh, yeah i guess it is it's descaling cuz it's not producing right uh, it's it's basically keeping prevention scale okay. prevention device i just felt that that was yeah really something we had to talk about sure it's another podcast mm-hmm. it's probably another podcast yeah, once with they find another expert on yep. the on the uh, yeah, our, our interview process yeah. we were oh, we had all these grants uh, yeah you know, the visions the of grandeur sort of killed yeah, the yeah, whole the, interview process but yeah. we're we're gonna get that out there so i think we covered everything yep. i think that's that's cation in a nutshell thank you for listening yep thank you for, and always trust the frog that's right okay bye-bye mm-hmm.